This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Hello, I'm Katie Greenzang, and I'm a pediatric oncologist. And I'm Jonathan Marin, also a pediatric oncologist. Today, we'll be talking to you about management of patients with febrile neutropenia. This is a situation encountered quite often with oncology patients who typically receive treatments that simultaneously drop their neutrophil count and impair their immune system. The lessons you learned today will apply primarily to the care of hospitalized children with solid tumors, hematologic malignancies, and brain tumors, but the same principles apply to the care of these patients in the emergency department, outpatient clinic, or intensive care unit. So why is this important? When patients are neutropenic, their immunologic defenses are down, putting them at increased risk for development of serous bacterial infections. Review of febrile neutropenia. The management of febrile neutropenic patients on bone marrow transplant and other services, such as hematology or immunology, may be slightly different, so speak to your fellow or attending. The general principles, however, are the same. Before going any further, it's important to know how to calculate the absolute neutrophil count, or ANC. The ANC is calculated by multiplying the total white blood cell count by the sum of the percentage of neutrophils and bands. Be careful with your units and decimal places. We typically define neutropenia as an absolute neutrophil count of less than 500 cells per microliter. Patients with neutropenia are at risk of serious bacterial infections. While patients with neutropenia can develop infections from a variety of causes, Typically, bacterial pathogens are due to normal body flora, such as translocation of bacteria from the gut or skin flora getting into a central line. Unfortunately, neutropenic patients can get very sick very quickly in the setting of a bacterial infection. Though not every fever in a patient with neutropenia is due to bacteremia, we empirically treat for bacteremia with IV antibiotics given the very high morbidity and mortality from serious bacterial infections in these patients. Probably the most important thing to safely manage these patients is to have a plan in place before a patient develops a fever. Make sure that you are comfortable with the fever plan for each neutropenic patient that you're caring for. If you are unsure of what you should do if one of your patients were to spike a fever, be sure to proactively speak with your fellow or attending. The last thing you want to do is have to figure out in the heat of the moment when you find out that a patient has spiked a fever. Let's consider that very situation and go through how febrile neutropenia is managed. Management of febrile neutropenia. One of your patients has a single fever to 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit. How do you know what to do? First, how do we define fever in the oncology population? Fever is defined as a single oral temperature of at least 38.5 degrees Celsius, which is equivalent to 101.4 degrees Fahrenheit, or a sustained oral temperature of greater than or equal to 38.0 degrees Celsius or 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit for greater than one hour. A sustained temperature is demonstrated by two separate temperature measurements at least one hour apart. Please note that temperatures are taken on oncology patients only orally, never rectally. Particularly in neutropenic patients, the small amount of trauma to the mucosa caused by the placement of a rectal thermometer can lead to tearing of the skin and entry of bacteria into the bloodstream. So if you are the resident, how should you reply to the nurse's page about the single fever of 
make sure to let the nurse know that you've received the page and are aware of the fever, and then go examine the patient. Since this was only a single fever less than 38.5, we typically wouldn't start antibiotics, but we still should take this opportunity to gather more information about the patient that will help in our assessment and decision-making. What information would be helpful? We also want to know the duration of fever, but also about the other vital signs, heart rate, respiratory rate, oxygen saturation, and blood pressure. We also want to know about the child's hemodynamics, how are their pulses and perfusion, and mental status. These all help to begin to draw a picture of how clinically ill the patient is. We want to confirm also that we know the child's cancer diagnosis. Fever in some cancers is treated differently than others. Lastly, we want to ask about other symptoms just as we would with any other patient. Things like cough, rhinorrhea, shortness of breath, nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and dysuria. At this point, we're looking both for red flags that could be warning signs that a patient is sick or getting sick, and also for any focal findings that might highlight the source of the fever. Red flags include poor perfusion, abnormal or unstable vital signs, hypotension, acute abdominal tenderness, or erythema, tenderness, or discharge at the central line site, and finally, altered mental status. Sites important to check on the physical exam will vary based on the patient's clinical symptoms and history, but should always include peripheral pulses and perfusion, heart, lungs, abdomen, all central line sites, keeping an eye out for erythema, tenderness, or discharge, and rectum. Just as oncology patients should never have rectal temperatures, we also never perform internal rectal exams. Instead, always perform an external rectal exam by palpating for masses or tenderness around the rectum. In patients with headaches or other neurological symptoms, always do a brief neurological exam and assess mental status. Because febrile patients with neutropenia can get sick so rapidly, one very important thing is to know when to call for help you should always feel comfortable contacting the oncology fellow. He or she will probably want to know about all fevers anyway, but certainly call or page your fellow if you're ever worried about a patient's clinical status. Also consider an ICU evaluation for a patient you're worried about. Finally, carefully consider the input of the oncology nurses. If they're worried about a patient, you should be too. Now let's return to our patient. In the scenario we've just discussed, the patient had a single temperature of 100.4, which didn't meet our fever criteria. As the resident, you should still go examine the patient to make sure he doesn't exhibit any of the warning signs we just went over, but as long as that's not the case, we won't empirically start antibiotics. Point of clarification. If a patient develops a single fever between 38 and 38.5 degrees Celsius, antipyretics such as acetaminophen should not be administered as they may make it difficult to interpret the patient's temperature an hour later. Accurate determination of the fever an hour after the first elevated temperature is critical to appropriate recognition and management of fever and neutropenia. Now you receive a page that the same patient has a second fever to 100.7 a little over an hour after the last fever. Now what do we do? This time, because the patient has a persistent temperature greater than 38 degrees Celsius for over an hour, we would officially consider this patient to have both fever and neutropenia, 
and additional labs should be drawn and broad-spectrum antibiotics initiated. But how should you choose what antibiotics to start and what labs and studies to order? In febrile neutropenic patients, we must consider a few issues in making this decision. Again, this is never a decision you should feel that you are making alone. Each patient should have a fever plan that is discussed on daily rounds, and then again when the on-call team is getting sign-out from the daytime team. At Boston Children's Hospital, we have a set of guidelines for the treatment of febrile neutropenia in oncology patients. This is available on the internet and is posted throughout the oncology workrooms. Though no one expects you to memorize this document, make sure that you are aware of where it is so you can refer to it when you need to. If you are at an institution other than Boston Children's, you probably have a similar guideline for your own institution. Antibiotics. A few important things should always be considered for each febrile patient. The first is patient risk group. We divide patients with febrile neutropenia into those whom we consider high risk or standard risk. High risk patients are those who have prolonged and or profound neutropenia, have Down syndrome, and or have symptoms suggestive of a severe infection such as sepsis or shock. The patient's diagnosis is also considered in defining risk group. Secondly, we think about a patient's cancer diagnosis, ANC, and last chemotherapy. Different chemotherapeutics cause neutropenia at different times and for different lengths of time. Knowing what chemotherapy the patient had and when will help you to estimate the trajectory of their neutrophil count with time. It's important to know not only the patient's current ANC, but also how it has been trending over the past few days. Thirdly, we consider any history of prior infections and or episodes of febrile neutropenia. If a patient has recently had an invasive or serious infection, it may be wise to consider an antimicrobial that covers their prior pathogen. We also consider what antimicrobials the patient is currently receiving. This informs the decision as to whether new antimicrobials need to be added, if current medications should be changed, and what holes there may be in current antimicrobial coverage. We also consider duration of symptoms to help better develop a differential diagnosis for the fever. The most important intervention for a patient with fever and neutropenia is early administration of broad-spectrum antibiotics. Our goal is to have antibiotics administered within one hour of fever detection. Different institutions use different empiric antibiotics, but the general principles of selecting antimicrobials are universal. Both the most common bacterial pathogens and the most dangerous pathogens must be covered. In a neutropenic patient, we are concerned about impaired immunity, disrupted mucosal barriers, and indwelling catheters. Antimicrobials should therefore provide coverage against gram-negative enteric flora, gram-positive skin flora, and in the case of abdominal pain or perirectal pain, consider additional coverage of anaerobic enteric organisms. Labs and studies. What labs and studies should you order in a febrile neutropenic patient? Physical exam findings, symptoms, and patient history should guide your evaluation. All patients must have a complete blood count with differential and blood cultures drawn at the time of fever. Consider also obtaining a viral respiratory panel or chest x-ray for patients with viral symptoms or abnormal findings on respiratory exam. In neutropenic patients with abdominal pain, a can't-miss diagnosis is tiflitis, also called neutropenic enterocolitis. For patients with abdominal pain or diarrhea, consider abdominal imaging and stool studies. If a patient has neurologic symptoms, consider head imaging. For all of these concerns, you should be discussing the appropriate workup and management with your on-call fellow. Ongoing clinical assessment is important in ensuring 
the changes in a patient's clinical status are noted promptly. While many patients with febrile neutropenia have no localizing signs or symptoms and are managed sufficiently with empiric antibiotics, some patients may develop more concerning symptoms that warrant further interventions or more intensive monitoring. Patients with respiratory distress, vital sign instability, and or mental status changes should raise concerns for bacteremia or sepsis and warrant consideration of an ICU evaluation as well as notification of the on-call fellow. Don't forget initial stabilizing measures in a sick patient while awaiting help to arrive, such as supplemental oxygen as needed and fluid resuscitation. Sick and or persistently febrile patients may also require broader antimicrobial coverage. Summary So to recap, fever and neutropenia is defined as a fever of 38.5 degrees Celsius once, or at least 38.0 sustained over an hour in an oncology patient with an ANC less than or equal to 500. Vital signs, clinical exam, and risk stratification can be used to guide initial management, tests, and antibiotics. Obtain blood cultures and start broad-spectrum antibiotics within one hour. Thank you for watching this video. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.